This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, covering most of central Illinois and much of northern Illinois, and we're trying to expand our station. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember always that we are brought to you by you. It is you that make our show possible and Catholic Spirit Radio possible. We couldn't do it without you. Your donations are always important to us and always appreciated, big or small. If you would like to make a donation, of course, you can go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com. Again, that's CatholicSpiritRadio.com. That is our website, and you can find out more about us there, and it will also tell you how to make a donation. You can also call our station. The number is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309-807-2427, and make a donation that way. The best way would be to go online if you can. And uh, go to that website, CatholicSpiritRadio.com, and uh, it will tell you, like I say, a lot about us and in various ways that you can help us, and uh, we would pre- appreciate all the help we can get. We're going to talk a little bit today. We'll have a great show for you today, but we're going to talk about some miscellaneous things. Certainly, the whole Supreme Court uh, leak uh, is in the news today and one of the biggest uh, issues that is going on. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, the, what that means, uh, what the uh, uh, leak was really about, and the fact that uh, it doesn't mean that the court has uh, decided yet or settled a case. And uh, even if it does uh, reverse Roe, it doesn't mean what a lot of people think and, of course, what many people on the progressive side or so-called uh, pro-choice, really pro-abortion, uh, doesn't mean what they are charging that it means. I think most of these people understand that it really does not mean that either, but they are taking things to extreme uh, to try, as usual, to get their way. And uh, it's perfectly legal in this country, of course, to take a stand and to uh, protest or petition uh, to be in favor of your stand, but it certainly isn't legal to use violence to trespass on other people's property, to deface property, and uh, to protest uh, on private residence. And a lot of this is what's going on. So we'll talk about a few of those things. Is there, uh, I was going to ask my wife if she wanted to add anything, but is there anything you want to mention about the uh, the case itself, Lynn, the, the fact of uh, the Supreme Court uh, possible ruling and the some of the, the, the ruling that has been revealed that really isn't a final uh, uh, ruling yet? Yes. <clears throat> the fact is that even if they uphold, I mean, what they're trying to do is trying to tell people this belongs, it's a matter that is not part of the federal government or the Constitution of the United States. It's an issue that needs to be dealt with locally within, um, <clears throat> you know, for local elections to deal with. The people decide locally whether they want abortion or not. They are not abolishing abortion. They're saying they have no 
business being a part of the decision. And people have taken and run with this as if they were abolishing everything. They aren't. And this idea, they have this Ruth Sennis uh, group that is saying Ruth Sennis. Of course, they're referring to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who uh, was uh, in favor of abortion. But she herself said many times that the ruling by the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade was convoluted, and she really didn't agree with it. Uh, that you can't can't arrive at the abortion ruling, you know, in the manner that they did. And I've read the whole thing at one time. It's been some time, but it, it, it was very, very convoluted. I mean, if you want to take a look at a convoluted ruling, go back sometime and look at the uh, Dred Scott case, you know, that uh, was ruled on by Roger Taney. Mostly he was the uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court back uh, during the Dred Scott trial when Dred Scott, a slave, was taken into a free state, Illinois, and uh, he was, uh, in effect, uh, decided that he could be set free because his, his master took him into a free state and slavery was illegal there. And uh, the whole Dred Scott decision went against that. Uh, and it was engineered by Roger Taney on the Supreme Court at that time. And he was, you know, pro, not necessarily pro-slavery, but he was pro-South. And uh, it was a very convoluted ruling. And it went a long way to bringing about the Civil War. And the fact is, is that uh, the the ruling was simply not uh, compatible with common sense or anything else. Uh, It was uh, just a twisted, tortured uh, way of directing the, you know, the Constitution to something that Tani wanted. In other words, you decide what you want the case to, you know, to be. You decide what the uh, ruling you want, and then you try to find out all the twist all types of logic and reasoning to fit that decision. And that's exactly what happened in this case as well. Uh, people on the Supreme Court who wanted to rule in favor of abortion twisted the Constitution. And it really, it has nothing to say about the state's power to uh, regulate abortion or not. And the states have that power, and the Constitution says nothing about it. There's nothing in the Constitution that prevents the states from regulating abortion at all. And certainly, abortion doesn't come under some kind of privacy issue of the Constitution and all of the the penundras and so forth and everything that they invented to arrive at that uh, issue. So the Supreme Court here is trying to overrule that just as actually the Dred Scott decision was eventually overruled and uh, set straight and uh, made clear that uh, the United States Constitution does, certainly does not provide for slavery. And uh, it doesn't rule out freeing uh, slaves or free states or any of those things. And the ruling was convoluted and the abortion ruling is convoluted. The Supreme Court was is trying to do its job. But, of course, uh, the case has not been settled. And the whole issue here is that the Supreme Court has to have the privacy and confidence to discuss these issues in within the court itself, to arrive at, uh, at tentative rulings, 
to make those rulings clear in print and then to pass them around to all the justices so justices on various sides of the issue can see where perhaps the majority is going and have an opportunity to uh, contradict or argue against that or maybe, you know, uh, clear up various points. This is what the court does. And it has to have privacy to do that. It can't have the whole public fighting and, and so forth over something that hasn't even been settled. And somebody in that court, for the first time in our history, has actually leaked uh, what one of the justices, in this case, Justice Alito, one of the documents that he wrote uh, in favor of overturning Roe, setting the arguments down why it should be overturned. It doesn't mean that that is Alito's final ruling. It simply means he's making a case for the overturning of Roe and setting things straight, and he's passing that around for other people on the court to be able to look at and uh, decide whether they agree with it or disagree with it and uh, give their opinions on the various points of that and uh, lots of uh, different uh, interpretations and so forth can come to the surface that way. That's what the court does, and it has to have that privacy to do it. And it's been sort of sacrosanct that uh, nothing ever leaves that court. Everything that is talked about stays there until they make their ruling public, until they actually make their decision and vote on it, and then the ruling becomes public. And somebody in there, probably one of the uh, uh, people working for the justices, uh, one of the young lawyers coming up working for the justices, probably is the case that uh, leaked that document, and that is a horrible thing to do. And uh, it's extremely important. And uh, that really it needs to be investigated and whoever leaked that uh, proper punishment should take place. Of course, they should be disbarred and uh, never allowed ever to be an attorney in the United States for the rest of their lives. And also, if they've done this and there are criminal penalties, they should be charges should be brought. Uh, and that's, you know, the situation that is, is at hand. Right. You know, those papers are shredded twice when the judge is through with them so that they don't get out. Well, obviously they got the whole whole uh, writing out because people are reading it. So it's not just word of mouth. They actually betrayed the court in getting smuggling out this paperwork. And they should be punished. But you know what's going to happen, I think. And I can kind of, you see it happening already. The left is going to say that this person that uh, breached the court's uh, <clears throat> authority and and uh, breached the court is going to be celebrated as a hero. That that's a very 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 astute observation, and it's very likely that that will happen. It seems that the left has this idea that they and they only are right, and that gives them some kind of authority to do almost anything that they wish, legal you know or mm -hmm. illegal, uh, to trample other people's rights and to. Uh, sort of like going around constantly with a chip on their shoulder that if you don't agree with us somehow or another, you are so totally wrong that we have every right to use force 
to intimidate you. And uh, we have the right to use force in the court. I mean, there's this 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 self-righteous uh, defiance of the law and uh, defiance of settled uh, tradition and defiance of uh, the, the, the various procedures of our country and the defiance of how other people live and think and believe and defiance of anything. That goes against what the left thinks, or the, the you know the liberal idea of justice is, or the liberal idea of how a state should be run, or the liberal idea of how uh, laws and so forth should be written. And this somehow or another gives them the authority and the right on their side to be in, in a constant war with everybody else that disagrees with them, and that uh, that they can destroy property. Uh, inflict violence on other people and so forth because their cause is so right and so just and so wonderful that uh, it it, it uh, is it's it's something that grew out of uh, actually if you look back at Marxism or communism this idea that the cause itself is the rule by which uh, anything can be done that uh, in other words. Uh, if uh, it will advance the cause to use violence, then violence is justified. And if it won't advance the cause to use violence, then violence isn't justified. The cause is the measure of everything because their cause is sacrosanct. It is a fanatical religion is really what it is. And uh, it's a religion every bit as much as uh, any, any of the uh, ordinary you know, church religions. And it's a fanatical religion in which, again, that somehow the religion itself or the cause itself is the only thing that is necessary to measure whether an action is justified or not justified. If uh, killing grandma will advance the cause, then let's kill grandma. If killing grandma won't advance the cause, then we won't kill grandma. But the cause is everything, and uh, our movement is everything, and anyone who disagrees with it simply has to be run over. And maybe it sounds like I'm being a little bit extreme here, but I don't think so. I think that's... No, I don't either. And how people are so fooled by this, I just can't understand it. Why they can't see just exactly what's going on. I mean, these people are so self-centered that they can't see their own nose in front of their face. Nothing's being taken away from them. I, I, selfish people. Yeah, what is being done is actually the court is attempting to straighten out a very, very bad ruling. Yes. And there are justices on the court, like I say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in favor of abortion. Nevertheless, she conceded that the ruling that arrived at it was not a good ruling. And these people are using her name, this idea, Ruth Sennis. In other words, to go in and disrupt churches or to go in and threaten people uh, and to protest in such a way that property and so forth is destroyed in the name of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who would never have approved of any of those things. And this is what the left does. Uh, it takes something and magnifies it into as if some, somehow uh, it, th- this is on their side and justifies everything that they do. So uh, what I want to get into here before we uh, get off of the, you know, this particular segment and maybe into the next segment here also is some of the reaction of the right 
is not very uh, accurate either. I mean, we have reached the point where I've watched on Tucker Carlson and some other of the uh, people, the pundits and the the, uh, speakers on uh, the Fox channel, for example, sort of conservative channel, the conservative response. And there is this idea in this country that we can vote on everything also, that we could settle this whole thing simply by voting. And uh, that is something that we have to address also. I mean, the meaning of democracy is not mob rule. Uh, the meaning of democracy doesn't mean that you can vote on every issue. I mean, the fact is, is can you vote on slavery? You know, can you, can you vote to enslave a, a certain group of people? Uh, can you vote, for example, to you decide that you don't like a group of people for one reason or another, so you can vote somehow or another that they can be, uh, euthanized or executed? Uh, there are some restrictions on democracy that we find in the Declaration of Independence and also in the Constitution itself. And so this idea that we can settle everything by pure democracy is something that we need to discuss and talk about. And uh, that's what we're going to come and talk about in the next segment. Exactly, you know, what kinds of issues are amenable by voting and what kinds of issues are simply prevented by the Constitution because of certain rights that people are endowed with by, you know, as the, the founders said, the, their creator or nature or, you know, nature's God. And uh, those are some restrictions that we need to talk about before people start jumping to the idea that we can vote on everything. So we're going to talk about that in the next segment. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. The Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. Holy Trinity Church is bringing the Man of the Shroud exhibit to Bloomington. This includes over 60 illustrations of historic and forensic studies, graphics, and the awe-inspiring full-size replica of the Shroud. All ages are invited to view this stirring exhibit, May 6th through May 8th. For more details, check the website or contact Holy Trinity Church in Bloomington. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Hi, this is Bob Johnson. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about the abortion issue and the issue of uh, the leak at the Supreme Court, whereby a, a uh, tentative uh, ruling uh, written by Justice Alito has been leaked uh, to the public and uh, published by Politico and uh, made made public by Politico. And uh, the, it's been taken as somehow or another as if it's a some kind of final decision on the abortion issue. And it has caused a huge uh, convolution in our politics and in our, our, our news and so forth of the day. And uh, seems to be giving justification for all kinds of uh, violent protest. And uh, speaking of that violent protest... Uh, I want to remind everybody, and I'm sure my wife does too, 
there has been this threat uh, by people who are against the, what they think the court ruling is going to be uh, and, and blame of people who are pro-life and against abortion. And, of course, uh, this is a Catholic radio show, and uh, the Catholic Church itself uh, its doctrine and dogma is strictly against abortion. And so the Catholic Church here is taking quite a bit of the blame. A lot of Christianity is, but Catholics in particular. And there have been protests uh, already. And uh, I know some out in California where churches have been uh, uh, you know, vandalized, uh, things written on their walls and so forth. And now there's this movement to actually protest at the churches. And I would guess that would mean not just standing out on the street away from church property and holding up signs uh, and making your position clear, uh, but it's probably going to take a direction in which parking lots uh, and uh, perhaps the mass itself uh, or the church itself, the inside of the churches, will be breached and uh, masses will be disrupted and disturbed. And if that's the case, that's totally against the law. You're not entitled to protest on private property and uh, destroy private property or vandalize private property in any way. And so uh, this is uh, something that uh, needs to be severely condemned. And yet what's uh, going on uh, among our our uh, politicians, our, in fact, the Biden administration, you don't see anyone taking any stand against it. Uh, I was watching on uh, Jen Psaki when she was speaking uh, as to what the attitude of the president was, said that, uh, you know, there's, there's no position that they're taking on where protests should occur. But they certainly should take a position on where protests should occur. Protests certainly should not occur on church property. And protests certainly should not occur inside of a church, whether it's a Catholic church or any other church. And if they're going to be breaching Catholic churches, they're likely to do it in other churches that they see as being opposed to abortion. So I want to remind all Catholics out there, but all Christians in general, Go to church tomorrow. We're, we're broadcasting this program here on Saturday. It'll be broadcast uh, at 10 o'clock Saturday night. And if you have a chance, uh, you know, you, if you are hearing it uh, on a Saturday night, tomorrow, go to church. Be there. Be in support so that if people do show up, they will see that our churches are filled on Mother's Day and that people are standing up in those churches against abortion, and they're also standing up for mothers. And even if you're a Catholic where you're conflicted on the issue and you're in doubt, certainly you shouldn't be in doubt that protest does not allow for the disruption of church services, whether it's Catholic church or any other church. It doesn't allow for the disruption of the parking lot, or it doesn't allow actually for the protest taking place on church property. It means that people can protest if they want to out in the street in a non-violent and peaceful way. They can make their their stand known. But anything beyond that is illegal. And it's sad, very sad, that a president who ran on uh, the platform that he would bring us together again is simply refusing to take a stand on defending 
uh, church property and reminding people who are in favor of uh, abortion or pro-abortion that they don't have the right to violence, they don't have the right to vandalize property, and they certainly don't have the right to be protesting at the homes of justices, the justices of the Supreme Court. Uh, we don't see anybody down at the, the Supreme Court protesting, and these these the people on the left, the progressives and the, the pro-abortion people, are calling for people to go out and protest at the houses of justices on the Supreme Court that they feel are in favor of overruling Roe uh, versus Wade, over overruling that that particular uh, ruling of the Supreme Court. And that is totally illegal. It is not legal to go out and, and protest the homes and private places of government officials. And they have done this before in the, uh, the decisions in settling uh, Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and others on the Supreme Court. They have done the same thing. They have actually gone to the uh, homes of these places and protested and threatened uh the people's uh, government officials families and this is totally illegal and something should be done yet we hear nothing from the Biden administration condemning any of this so well bob let's face it and they are saying specifically the five catholics on the supreme court aren't they pointing out that there's the five, the Catholic justices. Yes, they are. They're specifically, they're angling at that, and that the <clears throat> the Catholic Church itself, and that's the churches they want to go into tomorrow. It's all pre-planned. This whole thing was uh, kind of pre-planned in the sense that when this came out, that this was breached. They knew in the first place they were going to breach it because how else would they have everything in place to start a, a, a protest within 20 minutes? Exactly. I, I, and they did. Within 20 minutes of this being announced, they were sending out, uh, uh, what do you call it, for donations. They're asking for donations. Exactly, and uh, I, I, and also they were advertising for people to actually be paid, you know, to attend uh, various rallies and so forth uh, to do certain things. It, it seems to me that you know this you can't prove it. You can't uh, you, unless we get some evidence. But it certainly looks like it that, that this whole thing was planned in advance, and people knew that this uh, was going to be leaked. And they were ready for it, and uh, it also smells to me like it was. It's a a movement by people in the Biden administration to try and divert attention away from some of the failures of the administration that are going on. The fact that we're we're having a serious uh, inflation and uh, people's. Uh, uh, ability to buy things and so forth is being curtailed. Their wages, in fact, are going down because of inflation. Uh, everything, prices are going up and their money doesn't buy as much as it did before. Uh, also, there is uh, the increase in prices on gasoline and are going up because of the Biden administration's decisions on 
pipelines and oil and drilling and cutting back drilling in a lot of places and cutting back our, our coal plants and uh, depending on so-called renewable energy that is uh, a lot of times inefficient and uh, in- intermittent that's not always available. And uh, the administration has been losing a lot of ground in this area. A lot of uh, uh, polls are showing that they're running behind in the polls. And so this is a way of creating a crisis to divert attention away from that. And uh, uh, the other part of it is, is that if you want to, if you're in a situation in which you're, your, your polls are showing that uh, your voting numbers are going down. You want everybody out at those, you know, at the polls during the elections that are coming up, the mid-year elections. And this is a way to do it. This is a way to mobilize your base to tell them if they don't come out and vote on this issue, then, you know, it's going to go strongly against them and it will cause, the, you know, them to lose uh uh, something very, very important to them. And they, you know, stress that. And once you get people out to come and vote on that issue, they're likely to vote for you on other issues. So it seems to me there's a lot of motivation for this whole thing to have happened, Lynn, just like you say. Yeah, it was pre-planned. I, I have no doubt in my mind. They needed a crisis. Uh, Pelosi and many of uh, them have said, <clears throat> don't let the crisis go to waste use it exactly so they have man-made crises coming up when it's very convenient before the elections it seems like we're going from one crisis to another you know there's the, that's right the covid crisis which was uh, uh that was made up to was exaggerated i think a point, lot my view and has hurt this country tremendously and then that is dying down and now there's this you know this crisis and then an attempt to and you don't uh, want to talk about the border and the border crisis uh, to divert away from that and then there's the you know the ukraine going on and the uh, attempt uh, to escalate and a lot of attempt by both uh, neoconservatives and also uh, liberals to get us into a war with uh, Russia. It seems like, if not get us into a war, at least make make it seem like it's inevitable or like it could happen anyway. To divert attention from what's actually going on in our society that are, is domestic and uh, get people's attention on something else in order to promote uh, your ability to get reelected. And that, a lot of that is hurting the country. But uh, at any rate, what I want to get into also is the point is, is the meaning of democracy is not unlimited. That is, you know, we can't vote on everything. And I was watching uh, on TV a lot of the, like I was saying, a lot of the pundits on TV, a lot of the speakers and so forth for uh, Fox, uh, Tucker Carlson in particular, some of the uh, people who were taking over for uh, Jesse Waters and a Jesse Waters show. Uh, they're all acting as if, you know, that this Supreme Court overturning of Roe versus Wade somehow or another uh, should return everything to simply voting on on abortion. And that the, the, the solution is to let people vote whether they want abortion or don't want abortion. And it seems, again, this is the shadow that follows along, you know, following liberalism and makes liberalism possible in the first place without any real opposition. 
And the fact is, is that uh, has it ever occurred to these people that there are certain things uh, that we can't vote on in democracy? For example, our Constitution, not only our, not our Constitution, but our Declaration of Independence uh, talks about all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable, unalienable rights. In other words, even Jefferson said they're endowed by nature or nature's God, and that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence were not written in a vacuum at the time, that there was a recognition, even by people like Jefferson, who was strongly, you know, who did not believe in Christianity, but nevertheless believed that there was a nature or nature's God above and beyond uh, uh this world and beyond the material world and beyond human beings, which govern things. And so everything wasn't open to uh, simply being settled by a vote of 51% to 49%. The certain things such as your life were not subject to that, that a democracy had to be created not only with the rights of the majority, but also the rights of the majority restricted in certain cases by the rights of the minority that you couldn't simply vote on a, a, a person's life, <laughs> whether you could take a person's life or not, simply by vote. And uh, the, the question then becomes, are uh, unborn babies, that is, uh, when does life begin? When does a human being start? And I want to mention uh, last night on TV, I was watching uh, the, Raymond the Royal on uh, the World Over Live, uh, which is a Catholic program, and uh, talking with uh, one of the bishops from California who was pointing out that when life begins is not a matter of a particular religion deciding. It's not a matter of the Catholic Church deciding it. It's not a matter of the Baptist Church deciding it, or it's not a matter of uh, the Methodist Church or the Episcopalian Church or some other church deciding each for themselves when life begins. This is a matter for science. And prior to Roe versus Wade, back in 1972, before the 73 decision, it was clear in any science book that life began at conception. And it's still clear among, you know, animals and so forth when life begins, when we're talking about protecting certain species by, by special law species that we feel are endangered and they are given protection. They are given protection in, the, in their mother's womb as well. In other words, you can't kill these animals and you can't kill their babies and you couldn't, in effect, uh, uh, abort one of these animals uh, if, if the animal was pregnant and having baby because they come under protection. And when does they come under protection? Well, when they're conceived. And it's the same thing with human beings. You can make that case. So that this idea that you can simply vote on something, uh, you can't because, uh, again, in the, in the Declaration of Independence, all men are endowed by their creator, not by the government. And they're endowed by their creator or by nature with their life, their liberty, and their ability to pursue their own happiness. And that cannot be taken away from them by vote. And so this is a decision we have to make and decide. And it seems to me that it was the 
uh, Supreme Court back in 1973 that overlooked that. In fact, they came out and said they didn't have to decide that. They didn't have to free, have to come to a conclusion as to exactly when, uh, you know, a person became human. That uh, when the person was inside their mother's womb, it was a matter of privacy, and that, that is a convoluted decision. Uh, the idea that somehow location decides whether or not you're human, or even if you are human, that your location decides whether or not you can be killed. And we haven't settled that. We need a conversation about that, a real one, not one that's dominated by hysterics and dominated by violence and dominated by demonstrations and so forth. And that is something I think that the right, that is, the conservatives, especially on some of these programs, need to take into consideration before they just dance away with this idea that everything can be settled by simply voting on it. And, uh, you know, the, if the vote goes the way of the liberals, fine. If the vote goes the way of conservatives, fine. But as long as we vote. And uh, we're going to have to stop here and take a break. We'll come back and take this up in the next section and see if we can finish it. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. The Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. Holy Trinity Church is bringing the Man of the Shroud exhibit to Bloomington. This includes over 60 illustrations of historic and forensic studies, graphics, and the awe-inspiring full-size replica of the Shroud. All ages are invited to view this stirring exhibit, May 6th through May 8th, for more details, check the website or contact Holy Trinity Church in Bloomington. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we've been talking about the fact that a, that a democracy is uh, simply not uh, open to everything by vote that a democracy such as we have here in the United States and uh, endowed to us by our founders is a limited democracy. And there are certain things that the uh, rights of the minority in which uh, are not open to vote. And uh, the fact is, is that we have to decide whether or not an unborn baby in the womb is a human being. And if they are a human being, and that is up to science to decide, and science certainly had at one time prior to 1973 decided that that was the case, that human beings are become human at conception, and that is something we can know definitely and absolutely by science, then according to our Declaration of Independence and according to our interpretations of our Constitution, those lives are protected. And the state has to protect. That's what the state exists for. The first thing that a state exists for before anything else is to protect the lives and property and uh, freedom of its citizens. And then if a unborn baby is a human being, 
and is in with the confines of the United States, that human being is entitled, according to you know uh, th- that kind of thinking, uh, to protection by the state. That has to be settled. And for the Supreme Court of 1973 to say that doesn't have to be settled, it seems to me is uh, uh, simply a breach of their responsibility. And we need people on the right, not to mention only that uh, the Supreme Court right now is putting this back into the hands for a vote. We need people on the right to address this issue. Is it is, you know legal in the United States for a person designated as a human being uh, to be uh, not given the protection of all the other human beings? In other words, are not all men, that is all humans, especially at least in the United States and under our protection created equal? And that is something that they should be taking into consideration before just jumping to the idea that we can vote on something. Now, I know they're going back to precedents set by what uh, Justice Scalia said. And uh, Justice Scalia sort of set a precedent for what Justice Alito is currently saying, this idea that, uh, you know, we have to vote on things. So let me read here from what uh, Justice Scalia uh, said, and uh, let me not only read what he said, but also point out some uh, evidence against uh, what uh, Justice Scalia, as the conclusion he has come to, and and give a better idea of what needs to really be discussed, in my opinion, and certainly should be taken into consideration by the right before they dance down this road where it would be easy enough to give credence and make it possible for uh, the progressives to actually vote a situation into existence by changing the Constitution to guarantee the right of abortion. Uh, Similarly, that we could change the Constitution to guarantee a right to enslave people. And that's what we need to understand and talk about. And so let's read here from... uh, what Justice Scalia says on this issue, and uh, go from there. It says here that uh, Scalia went on to say that in a democracy which has nothing to do with man's supernatural self, the majority must have whatever it wishes, including the crowning achievement of liberty, legalized abortion. But is that correct? If the, here, and here's what Scalia himself says. He says, if the people, for example, want abortion, the state should permit abortion in a democracy. To say, ah, but it is contrary to the natural law is simply to say that you set yourself above the democratic state and presume to decide what is good and bad in place of the majority of the people. He says, I do not accept that as a proper function. And I'm afraid that a lot of theologians waste a lot of their time becoming political scientists because of that notion that somehow the ends of Christianity will be achieved through the state. But I strongly disagree with that statement by Scalia because we're not talking here about natural law alone. And we're not talking here about Christianity alone. We're talking here about the law, the law itself in the United States that comes from our Declaration of Independence and also through our Constitution, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
So my question will be, is Scalia saying that we could end that by vote? For example, let's suppose that uh, in any given community, uh, there was a animus toward people with red hair. There were not a lot of people in the community with red hair, but there was an animus that, that for some reason or another, people did not like people with red hair. Would that mean that they could vote on enslaving people with red hair? Would that mean that they could vote on killing people with red hair? I mean, isn't there something in our Constitution that says that uh, these people are human beings? And in spite of the fact that the majority may not agree with uh, the idea of people with red hair being free or people with red hair being allowed to live, that the people with red hair are protected under the law the same as anyone else because they are human beings. That, to me, doesn't seem to come out of Christianity, and it doesn't itself. Of course it does, but I'm not saying it's strictly. It's a matter of reason, and it's a matter of our law. So it seems to me that this, what Scalia is saying here is he's sort of being blind. Uh, he's confusing a Christian principle with a principle of reasonable thinking. I mean, we have laws, for example, on our speed limit uh, that you can only go, say, 30 miles an hour on a, on a city street. Uh, if the Christian churches agreed with that law, would that somehow make it illegal? Because they believed in the same thing, because they thought life was precious and that it was given to people by God and therefore it should be protected by the law. People shouldn't be able to drive down the street at 90 miles an hour. No, of course not. <laughs> it doesn't mean that somehow or another we, we can't have that law because somehow Christians believe in it. This is, this is a little bit uh, being confusing. We need to discuss this and it needs to be discussed in an atmosphere in which People can express their opinions without being threatened by violence and that uh, people in churches without being threatened by uh, disruption of their services and uh, come to some conclusions here to me that would be very, 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 very reasonable. In other words, is the law required to protect all of its citizens? And I would say, yes, it is. And he goes on here. It says, uh, it is fitting indeed uh, that it was none other, well, I'm not going on with that. It says uh, uh, legalized abortion, which Scalia defends as a prerogative of the majority, is the ultimate illustration of the consequences of a distinction between man and his soul for political purposes. Abortion is an offense against divine and natural law. And what we mean here by natural law is simply the idea that, that uh, our founders incorporated that all people are entitled to their life. And if, if unborn babies are people, which certainly science uh, says they are, then unborn babies should be protected by the law just as well as anyone else, and they should not be uh, discriminated against because of their, lo of their location. And so this is something that we need to argue. We can't just come out and say, let's vote on any issue we wish, and whichever way it goes, that's the law. It says, abortion destroys the bodies of its victim and can cause either the death or long-term uh, psychosomatic dis disturbance of the women who undergo the procedure. It is similarly impossible to segregate spiritual from somatic effects. In other words, 
Even though the church deals with spiritual things, abortion affects the physical bodies of both men and women. And certainly it is something for the law to make a decision about. It's in, and so forth. Uh, it, it, go, it goes on, you know, to talk about. So the fact is, is that simply because Alito and uh, Justice or Scalia are focusing on one aspect of the law that is on voting in a democracy, it doesn't make it automatic that that should be the case. So the, the, the idea of overturning Roe versus Wade and putting it back in the hands of the state is not the end of this issue. And there needs to be room to discuss exactly what I'm talking about. And that can be discussed from a non-religious point of view. It can be discussed from a reasonable point of view. If the law protects my life and the law protects your life and the law protects the life of the progressive people, then why doesn't the law protect all other human beings, including those people who are still in their mother's womb, even though their location is not in the ordinary location that the rest of us belong in. You can't kill someone simply because they're trespassing. If someone trespasses on your property, it doesn't mean that you have the right to kill them. And we can even make a case that a fetus that is an unborn baby is not trespassing on anybody's property. They were put there and they were put there by other people. And so there's a, a huge different case here. And that needs to be brought to attention. And I think that's one thing the church should do. That's right, because he who gives life is the only one that has the authority to take it. Exactly. And there are some other issues here, too. Uh, let's let's take a look. Uh, it's right here. It says, uh, I'm reading here from the, the book I'm reading from. is called Liberty, the God that Failed. And it's showing here, it's talking about abortion. It's talking about this is one of the failures of liberty, is uh, the abandoning the idea of protecting life uh, because of <laughs> it happens to be in, in a certain location. But... We're talking about what the justices are doing here, hopefully, at least, that they will be coming out and overruling Roe, which is a bad, bad ruling, even if it were, in my opinion, even if it were reasonable to have abortion, this law would still be a bad law because it simply was made in a bad way. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg agreed to that, and she was pro-abortion. And there were other justices also down through the, the last 50 years who have said the same thing, that uh, Roe was a bad decision. Even if they agree with it, it's still bad. But, uh, for example, suppose they go beyond this. Suppose the Supreme Court justices go beyond uh, what they've ruled or, or may rule so far. Uh, suppose, for example, that five of the uh, six justices now sitting on a Supreme Court bench join in a majority op opinion overruling Roe versus Wade. Let us suppose that this opinion holds that the Fifth Amendment protection against the deprivation of life and liberty is without, or, or against the deprivation, deprivation of life and liberty without due press process of law applied to the states via the 14th Amendment, extends to life in the womb. And why not? Why not? That no one's life should be taken away from him without due process of law. And that's exactly what's happening under Roe versus Wade. And what's exactly happen, happening under any 
some form of abortion, whether it's uh, allowed by Roe versus Wade or some other ruling, that uh, they're being deprived of their life and their liberty without any due process of law. I mean, they're entitled to a trial in court to see if they deserve to have their life taken away, as we would have a trial in court to see whether a murderer's life uh, was deserved to be taken away. Hey, that's a good point, because uh, one of the arguments they have is that the Catholics or against the Catholic Church is that— you still believe in taking a person's life, you know, for uh, life for life. You know, if you kill somebody, you can, in some places, be executed. And they use that as an argument against taking, well, the <clears throat> taking a, man, a person's life, that you're not able to do that. But on the other hand, they turn right around and they say it's... It's their business whether you they take a life themselves through abortion. Exactly. It's quite a different it, way they look at it. Exactly. Most liberals, most most uh, the so-called progressive, are in agreement with uh, Pope Francis's statement in, in the catechism that uh, it's not permissible uh, to, uh, especially in our society where you can lock people up, it's not permissible to— uh, use the death penalty anymore. They agree with that. Well, if if it's not permissible to use the death penalty on someone who has broken the law and who has maybe taken a life and certainly is far more, uh, comes under the, the jurisdiction of, you know, being for the state to, to take his life, uh, then how in the world can you agree that it's okay to take the life of an innocent person, an innocent human being, simply because of that human being's location, that they happen to be unlucky enough to be put in someone's womb who decides that they want to kill them. Right. And, and so, you know, these the same people who would agree that uh, it's wrong to take the life of a criminal who has committed murder that we don't have the authority to do that or it's better the criminal, you know, uh, is locked up. It may come to light that he didn't do it or it may come to light that uh, he repents and he changes his life uh, for the good and so forth, all of that kind of thing. If you are in agreement of that, how much more should you be in agreement that someone who has committed no crime against anyone ought to have the same uh, due process of law? Yes, you're condemning pure innocence. Exactly. So, in other words, this is what we could, you know, this is what uh, the protection of life could come under, that it's wrong. It violates the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, that a person cannot, uh, his life and his liberty cannot be taken away from him without due process of law. And that used to be the case for slavery. And we abolished slavery. and But it's still the case for human beings who happen to be in the womb. And actually, it's the case for people who are on their way out of the womb, and in some cases for people that are already out of the womb. And there are a lot of progressives on the left uh, that are saying that we should be able to take a infant's life up to 30 days after it's born. Uh, we have some people in our universities that are advocating that. And so this is something certainly that needs to be discussed 
And it's not just this idea that we can vote on it like Justice Alito says or Justice Scalia says. And I think they're very, very wrong on this situation. Uh, at any rate, it goes on and talks about the fact that the Constitution was not drafted in a vacuum, that the people back at that time believed that uh, there was a natural right, that is nature or nature's God, that you were born with the right to be alive and to pursue your own life and your own happiness. And the supreme job of the state was to protect that. And that is what needs to be discussed. We're running out of time. We're going to have to stop here. And uh, I'm again reminding every, all the Catholics out there, go to church tomorrow morning uh, in case where so you So you're not afraid of them. Exactly. In case where you happen to be, there is a demonstration or people try to invade your church and uh, be there to show that there are a lot of people in this country, Catholic and non-Catholic, who hold an entirely different opinion about life and its sacredness than the progressives on the left do, and that uh, we need to come out and uh, show that uh, on our side just as well. So, at any rate, St. Michael, the archangel, defend, defend us in us battle, battle be, our be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for their own souls. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 